Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to a special holiday episode of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! <laughs> welcome, everybody. Uh, we're gonna have some fun today here, and thank you so much for joining us on a holiday weekend. You could be anywhere else, I suppose, but the fact you've chosen to watch us or to listen to us on the podcast feed we appreciate it madly um we have got so much to talk about today we're certainly going to get into a couple of the trailers that came out earlier this week we're going to get a comp we're going to get a big conversation on our eulogy on the dceu now that aquaman 2 is out we're also going to talk about our favorite christmas movies and get into a review of episode two of what if season two here on the Geek Buddies, but let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you can see me right now in vacation mode. Hence, the the bedhead hair, the <laughs> slubby sweatshirt. Is there booze in here? Who knows? Wow. <laughs> there he goes. Oh, my. Wow. Oh, oh my. Um, all right. So, we're, as I said, we're going to get into all those topics and the way the show works for those of you who may be new. And if you're new, thanks so much for trying us out. We each talk about one geek news item, uh, take a break in between them, and then hit our big uh, uh, main event item and our main event item is going to be that review of episode two of what if but uh, we start first off with uh, the dceu let's just jump into it. let's not waste any time here let's go into the, <coughs> end of the water aquaman 2 uh and the lost oh, aquaman and lost kingdom essentially aquaman 2 is out in theaters this week and i certainly got to see it at the screening earlier this week hey you'll see my uh, review later on but like this is the basic end of the DCEU. And of course, we will be spoiler reviewing it at some point uh, next week. We will let you know when that's happening. But this is the end. 16 movies of the DCEU. And you can include the Peacemaker series as well. But it is now officially over uh, with a bit of a whimper, in my opinion. Although some people are saying they like the B-movie approach to this. Uh, sequel um but shannon i'll go to you first actually and i usually go to mikey first but i'll go to you first shannon as aquaman is one of your favorite people now that it's over what are your thoughts what are your feelings um what are your opinions here as we say goodbye to the dceu well we've talked before about how when you have a big when you have a big property and you have a, you have a film you have a series of films that may not be warmly received you start to become very reactive in your creative choices rather than proactive mm. and it seems like that has been the DC EU from moment 1 is everything has always been oh gosh no let's try this let's try this let's try this let's try this um you know, they never said it, but it, it felt like maybe Green Lantern was sort of their first attempt at that. Ooh. That like, hey, let's let's put a, a character 
that not as many people know, like Iron Man. Let's put a really charming, funny actor in the lead role in Ryan Reynolds. Um, and maybe we can we can do the same thing. And it didn't, and you know, it didn't quite happen. And so then if I if memory serves, um, Man of Steel was not the official start. It, it wasn't meant to be. It was supposed to be a Superman movie. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, you know what? Let's, yeah, let's springboard from here. Let's throw Batman in right away. Let's immediately go to Justice League. And then when those plans didn't pan out, it was like, well, we're connected, but not really. And then things just started to splinter. I mean, you've had some films that worked. Yeah. Wonder Woman, I think we would all agree, is is the best film in the DCEU. And, and it's still a fantastic film. Fantastic film. I don't think we'd all um, agree on that. Roka, okay. Roka, Roka doesn't agree. Roka doesn't agree. Yeah, do He's going to be contrary. But not but the best. I, but yes, you're right. Not the best. I would say the majority of the geek buddies would say Wonder Woman is the best movie in the DCEU. I mean, I mean you had you, right. you had a billion dollar movie in Aquaman, even mm-hmm. though uh, you know the 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 quality it, it, it is it is a little debated amongst the fan base. But then you started to be like, well, let's make this Joker movie that is not connected, and it makes a billion dollars. You know, ah, let's do a Batman movie with Ben Affleck. Okay, he doesn't want to do it. Let's bring in Matt Reeves. Okay, Matt Reeves doesn't want to be a part of this universe. All of the things have always been so reactive rather than proactive Mm. and even like when they were filming Batgirl the directors from Miss Marvel had talked about well we've got we've got the Commissioner Gordon from Justice League but we've got Michael Keaton and them inquiring like how is this working like oh it's all gonna work out it's all gonna work out and who who knows if they ever had an idea of how it was gonna go I mean in the flash that was an attempt to kind of streamline everything into one and then at that point they were like you know what let's just James Gunn, Peter Safran come in, let's just start over. Um, so there were definitely some fun moments in the DCEU. There are some films that I that I really enjoy, and there's a lot that, that didn't work. Um, so as painful as it is to say goodbye to the things that did work, um, it seems like sort of a necessary, necessary uh, wiping of the board yeah. to hopefully do this in the most satisfying way for audiences. Well, not fully wiping, right, Mike? We're going to get some characters <laughs> coming back, like like Amanda Waller, like Peacemaker, and, uh, of course, Jennifer Holland. Ain't no way she's not coming back. So uh, your thoughts, Michael, on the legacy here of the DCEU? And as Shannon pointed out so well, that like the stuff outside of the DCU, like Joker and um, ba- the Batman, worked. But the stuff inside the DCU is a bunch, is a really mixed bag. And will we look back on this 20 years later, like people look back on the prequel trilogy? Will the kids who grew up, with the DC legacy, DCEU movies, where they try to tell us older folks at that time that we've got it all wrong and these were great movies. What, what do you think the legacy is? I mean, look, there is a chunk of Zack Snyder fans on Twitter that will always tell us that the DCEU was the best and that everything else is horrible. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was going to be. And guys, yeah. if you had just let Zack Snyder get to that final movie that he wanted to do, like we've seen the artwork and it was going to be amazing and it was so good and there was time travel and it was great. But no, uh, I, uh, I, I, um, I agree with everything Shannon said, except for the part that we that were a little bit sad to see some things go. I'm not. Mm. Goodbye. We're done. The end. Wow. Like I am. <laughs> as a as someone who is a lifelong DC fan and you're an uh, avid superman who, fan yeah 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 and an avid superman fan yeah. um you know there were mo- like i remember that man of steel trailer and i remember going holy shit this is a superman movie that i always wanted and then i remember my disappointment although i know that some of the geek buddies love man of steel uh i remember my disappointment watching man of steel and then Batman versus Superman. I mean, I think sitting in that movie theater was one of the funniest movie-going experiences of my life as I kind of looked around at everybody and it was just like, whoa. And then, yeah, and Shannon is right. Like, seeing Wonder Woman was great. Hmm. Um, James Gunn, The Suicide Squad is a really fun movie. Peacemaker is awesome. And, yes, the movies that don't fit into this bigger tapestry that they never quite figured out to weave are really solid. But I think that, um, you know... The one thing I will say is that I think years from now, when we are no longer in this connected universe era that we are in currently, mm-hmm. where we as fans want the Star Wars universe to connect and the Marvel Cinematic Universe to connect and James Gunn and Peter Safran are about to give us a DC universe that hopefully connects. I think that once we're out of it, we will be able to look at the individual movies a little bit differently and kind of judge each one on its own merits. So I'll say that. But yeah. all in all... um, 
Shannon nailed it in the the DC universe was just a reactive mess almost from the beginning. Like, yeah. I don't particularly love Zack Snyder, but I will admit, had they just let him do his thing, at least there would have been something. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, they freaked out almost from the get-go and were like, nope, pull back. Nope, do this. Now we're doing this. Nope, we got to do this. Ooh, Marvel's doing this, so let's do this. Shannon's right. It was just a... There was never a creative vision. There was just a, holy shit, how do we fix this? Almost yeah. from day one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing to analyze and break down because it is, overall, it is a legacy of fumbles with an occasional great play, if you're going to use a football analogy, like a fantastic touchdown or a great win. It's like a team that had all the potential and only won four games, and you cannot understand how they lost all those other games. It's really confounding to you because there's so many, but then you realize – the person, the person, they kept changing coaches every few games, which allowed no continuity, no fluidity uh, at the end of the day. And that's what you look at when you see these, uh, uh, when you take it as a whole here. Because I think the prospect of it all was fantastic. And if they had just taken their time and let it play itself out instead of rushing to try to create the uh, Justice League, instead of rushing to try to get Zack Snyder out and do something else, and then do a Frankenstein version of the Justice League, and then, oh, wait, no, bringing back years later to let him finish his four-hour cut. Like, there are so many things that are an anomaly. And to me, this is like this is like one of those three-hour epics that you're like, oh, man, there was real potential here, but <clears throat> I don't know. It's like a Cloud Atlas or Napoleon or these films that are like, you think it's going to be, it's going to work out, and then eventually it just kind of falls apart because, as you guys have both said so well, the reactionary nature of Warner Brothers throughout, plus the changing regimes. There was just no stability here. And Michael, I think you make an excellent point. I don't I don't want to come off as a Snyder boy because I think of the three of us, I am the biggest fan of Zack Snyder and his approach to his work. But yeah, if you would just let him cook, and then in retrospect, right, if you just let him cook and seen what the end result was going to be, at least you'd have had some vision within the DCEU that you could point to and go, yes or no, or kind of, right. and by the end, you'd be like, okay, they took a stab, they took a shot, they stayed with him, and then it didn't work out, or yeah. it did work out. Um, but, I mean, Zack Snyder's not blameless. He also made adjustments to his movies based on people's reactions, based on the Warner Brothers executives having issues with certain things in Man of Steel, and it not doing as well. So he's not blameless. For all the Snyder fans, he did actually acquiesce to change things. And in changing things, he takes on some of the blame of what happened here. But... We will have Wonder Woman. We will have uh, the the Suicide Squad from James Gunn, which I thought was great. We'll have Peacemaker, which still is, in my opinion, one of the top three superhero series ever made. It's just an incredible series that has its own distinct voice and worked episode to episode. For me, we will always have Man of Steel, which is my favorite DCU. It just moves me on so many levels. To me, that's an immigrant mm-hmm. story. And so it just connects to me through that oh, it, prism. Oh, it moves me. So well. No, I got you. It hey, moves me. You know what? You know what? <laughs> you had your chance to talk. Anyway, I just <laughs> want to but there were an incredible. Um, but we also got Patty Jenkins getting a shot to come back into our minds. You know, we have to. What has she done with Monster and essentially being in TV for ten years? There were opportunities given here. You had the first female-led superhero film in Wonder Woman, right before Captain Marvel came along. Yeah, it didn't make a billion dollars that Captain Marvel did, but still. Pretty incredible film. And Gal Gadot. It's a way better movie. Yeah, I agree. It's a way better movie. <laughs> yeah. Gal Gadot got to shine in a way that she probably will never get to shine again down the road as an actress. So there were some great opportunities here. Uh, and in the end, and people remember, and remember, Will Smith was kind of in a bit of a wasteland before he came back here in that first Suicide Squad movie. And then you had Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. So there are some positives, certainly, that came out of the DCEU. But at the end of the day, it just feels like a fumbled legacy. And no matter hard, how, many, how hardcore of a DC person you are, at the end of the day, it's more about the wasted potential than it is about the things that worked out. But, you know, that's that's the way I look at it, unfortunately. you know. Um, all right. And, and we've got Aquaman 2 coming out. As we said, we're going to review it uh, next week sometime. We'll let you know when we're going to do the spoiler review of it. Uh, uh, my two... My two fellow geek buddies are apparently going to go see it tomorrow on Christmas Eve. So what a present. Uh, and we'll see what your <clears> thoughts are. Um, anything else we should say about the DCEU as we wrap up? Any final words? Anything we – I know, Michael, you wanted to chime in just a few seconds ago. Anything you guys want to say? Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm 
You're really I, done I with this, aren't you? Aren't you? I, I, the DC Universe, I hardly knew you, and I'm okay with that. Let's get out. Let's 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 move on to something bigger and better. I'm. I mean, like I like I, to your point. I think like the biggest DC fans. I mean, even even the people that are diehard that like yeah. after every movie are like, oh guys, no, I think this is it. They're gonna figure it out. I think most fans, and I include all the Zack Snyder fans who at this point are yeah. kind of like the, the 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 Snyder universe that we were hoping for. We never got. Like I yeah. think everybody across across the board is kind of like, okay, good. Let's let's yeah, start over. Let's probably. see. Let's let's see if we can do this right the next time. Yeah. Yeah. And we have Universal and um, uh, Warner Brothers and Paramount and all these talks. Oh, man. No. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> my <laughs> biggest fear is that Universal is going to pull the trigger and then start this all over again before James Gunn even gets out the gate. So we will see and monitor that as we go along uh, with these tech billionaires. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break. And then we're going to jump into some trailers here uh, right after this. Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture. That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of The Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse. Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents that's right three months for only 99 cents with the code buddies b-u-d-d-i-e-s simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code buddies to dive into the world of arts like never before bring the arts home with marquee tv get three months for just 99 cents visit marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now use code buddies explore the extensive library of performances on marquee tv today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at marquee tv on social media Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Shannon, take it away. All right, so it's just real quick today, real quick trailer, trailer. Um, the first is a one-minute glimpse at the series that we know was coming in January. It's our second look at Echo. Yeah. Um, you know what? There's a lot of times leading up to the release of something that there can be bad buzz. Um, and sometimes that bad buzz doesn't turn out, and you get something pretty good. Uh, leading up, you know, talking about Wonder Woman. Like Wonder Woman. We, yeah. There had been a, a lot of bad buzz around that movie in the trailer. Gal Gadot very, barely spoke. Um, it's like, ah, let's see what happens. And the movie ends up great. When they made the announcement that Echo was going to be dropping all five of its episodes at the same time, something that Marvel has not done yet with a series, instantly red flags go up. Like, ah, let's see. Well, you know, and this is without seeing any footage. Like, we've all seen some behind the scenes photos, you know, Alakwa Cox just on set. Um, then we get that first trailer and it's like, wow, this is, uh, this actually looks okay. Now, marketing can be deceptive um but this second trailer the second glimpse looks just as good and i know some early reviews have come out that said it's not perfect um but falling under that this new marvel spotlight banner having a series that takes place within the mcu but is not 
overly connected to the MCU, maybe this is something they're going to lean into a little bit more based off of based off of what folks have been talking about in the series. Um, I thought it looked really interesting. More Vincent Nofrio as Wilson Fisk, always a good thing. More quick shot of Daredevil. Uh, but gentlemen, I'll throw it over to you. Johnny, why don't you take it away? What do you think of our second look at Echo? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one even more so after this trailer too because we get a little more of the violence. You know, you guys know me. I like the darker stuff. And so for me, that's it, where I go. Uh, and this feels like a little bit like maybe the Andor of the MCU. Maybe I'm going a little bit too far in saying that, but certainly the vibe and the energy here is one that is uh, uh, leaning into the violence. We see the close-ups on Kingpin's hand with the blood and the shaking and all of that. We see the blade coming out of the boot. We see her snapping a dude's neck, like hearing the crack here in that minute one and her like reaction to it all. We see the, a lot of the leaning into the violence here and the um, explosions of violence through doors, through walls, all this kind of stuff. So I like that vibe. And look, they they uh, moved it up a day, which is interesting to move it up to the ninth. And I also think they smartly scheduled this one to drop right after Christmas. Why? Because some of the Marvel fans are going to go back and rewatch Hawkeye, as you did, Shannon, for Christmas. And Echo is introduced there. So you've got the they're already you're hitting two birds with one stone. You get you're watching the Christmas thing and you're getting the background mm -hmm. for Echo. So when you're going to watch it uh, as it's coming out here in the next couple of weeks. So I like that. I like the vibe. I like the energy. I liked more of it even uh, through this one minute thing. Uh, and clearly we're setting up a war. And as you said, the reviews have been uh, it's not 100 percent perfect, but most of all, people are liking it. And so that makes me excited as well. And we thought the dropping of them all at once was going to indicate something negative, but maybe it does indicate something positive that people are going to be talking about this and buzzing about it afterwards. Mikey, you ready for some ultraviolet echo? <laughs> I just laughed and Roka, Roka has just confirmed all my thoughts. I watched that one minute trailer and I was like, oh, they made this trailer for Roka. <laughs> like, like the trailer is like I... I, I am excited to watch Echo, and I do I do hope it's good. But like literally, yeah. this was one minute of, "Hey fans, do you want violence? We're violent." TVMA, look at the blood. That's right. There's action packed. It's so violent. Like it was literally a trailer to let you know that the show is super violent. That is the there was like this whole like this whole I think this is gonna be the Andor. Nothing in this trailer said this is high quality. This is the best written what? show that Marvel has ever been. The the trailer is literally there to let you know it's bloody and more violent than anything you've seen in Marvel. That is what the one minute trailer says over and over and over again. And I literally watched the trailer and I said, Well, Roka's gonna go and say, I'm really excited about this. It's very violent. And and you did. So I you confirmed yeah. exactly what I thought. Yeah. Um so I, I actually, so I actually thought this trailer was pretty stupid, but I am very, what? I'm still more, well, I, because it was exactly that it was, yeah. uh, it you. makes me, I, I won't say stupid. I will say <clears throat> when a show, when a show comes out with a trailer that all the trailer is telling you is we're very bloody and it's very mm -hmm. mature violence and it's going to be very bloody. That doesn't say to me we have a really strong story to stand on. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it doesn't say this is a really powerful story. This is a story about something. It's the marketing people going, how are we going to market this? Boy, it's bloody. Let's do that. <laughs> and so the trailer doesn't overwhelmingly excite me. That being said, um, I am, as we said before, based on the first trailer, more excited for Echo than I was when all the early yeah. buzz was coming out. Like I, just like Shannon, did rewatch Hawkeye. Uh, and it did remind me a how much I like that Disney Plus show, um, yeah. but also how how good of a job she did in that. And I am curious and excited to see her story. More Wilson Fisk, as Shannon said, is always better. This trailer was pretty silly. Well, goodness, <laughs> <I'm scared. laughs> literally reaction to this <laughs> one. Minute. You like Scrooge in the door. Good job. <laughs> oh. Well, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. The violence is very. There's no story in here other than you want a war, you'll get a war from from. Do you know what it reminded me of? Is the trailer for Christmas Carol that Bill Murray plays in Scrooge? <laughs> like that's what it reminded me of. 
man. Well, folks, is this going to be the MCU's Andor? Is it going to be the MCU's Nandor? Only way to find out. January 9th on Disney Plus and Hulu. If you're watching it on Disney Plus, you do have to go into your account and set your your preferences to TVMA so it will show up. Um, So our second trailer... Not the geekiest thing, um, but it but it is the buddiest thing. Uh, so it's the trailer for Expat, starring uh, Nicole Kidman uh, and our our dear friend Saryu Blue. So this is coming out January twenty sixth. This is based off the novel uh, the novel Expatriates um, by Janice Y K Lee, and this is essentially the way it's described is a the a, a look at the uh, tight knit community of expatriates in Hong Kong. Um, you know, we've talked before a lot about how, especially with movies, there aren't always a lot of um, options for grownups. And that's where that's where streaming has really kind of filled that void. And this definitely seems like a very, um, very mature, very mature story. Um, some of the haves and the have nots of of uh, of what it's like to live in Hong Kong. Um, it, it's a really, really interesting trailer. And again, we are the most thrilled because our friend is, uh, is one of the stars. So I will throw it over to Mr. Vogel first. What did you think of Sorry You Blue starring, a, starring, uh, next to an Australian new cam- newcomer named Nicole Kidman, um, <laughs> in expats? What'd you think? Um, you know, I will say this, like living in LA and having a lot of buddies that work in the industry, uh, you have lots of friends a lot of the times who get to be in cool things and, you know, they're really excited about it. And sometimes you watch the thing that they're in, uh, and you're like, okay, I have to, to tell them it was good, I guess. I don't know. Have you ever said Uh, that to me here, John? (laughs) Listen to you. (laughs) Is there a recent animated film you're trying to reference? No. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) that this was great because when you watch a trailer like this like it's really great when your friend is in something and you watch a trailer and you're like fuck i would watch this regardless of if my friend was in it like Mm. it looks so high quality it really is i mean yes streaming is the place where we do get uh some of the more adult options in recent in in recent entertainment uh uh history but i think also um the fact that we get to see all these big stars coming to tv in these really interesting projects so uh, you know, Nicole Kidman in this very beautifully shot, amazing looking project. And then, yes, the bonus is one of our very best buddies is in it as well uh, as as one of the three leads. And so we get to enjoy that as well. So I was thrilled to watch this trailer uh, on multiple levels. And it's definitely something that I'm very excited to watch uh, in the in 2024. And I would be excited to watch even if my friend was not in it. But uh, mm-hmm. that that makes it a little bit more exciting. Johnny, what you think? Yeah, I really liked it, the trailer. And like Mikey said, this is one I would watch even if Saryu wasn't in it. And so the fact that she is in it makes it an even more of a must-watch for me. And watching her work in it, like you said, you know, we we um, have many friends who work in the industry. We're very blessed in that way, who are successful in the business. And certainly Saryu is one of those ones who has worked her way to this position. She has worked her way. She wasn't handed anything. She fought hard and has dealt with the setbacks and the successes and things being canceled and things being celebrated. She's dealt with it all. And uh, I see that her acting has so come a, come along as she's gotten older you see there's more depth more complex she's being handed more things that to showcase her all the um emotional tools she has in her toolbox and just from this trailer you can see what she's doing here is going to be very integral to the show it makes it great she's on the fucking poster at the same level as nicole kidman which speaks volumes of how they see her talent and how they see her role in this series so i'm very excited to see what she'll do in this with Nicole going back and forth, going toe to toe, showing people that this is an incredible actress that has just been waiting for the right opportunity to step up to the plate. It looks like she has, which is great. But the overall story of this is fascinating as well. What is, is she an aloof person who is caught up in her richness that her son is stolen and all of a sudden she now is trying to uh, use her power and influence to try to find her son? Why was her son stolen? What is the uh, nanny's role in all of this? And then I think we're seeing, um, I think Filipino, I'm not sure who the people are playing her maids and the, and the subculture of that and what their uh, um, uh, special conversations are about the people they work for. So you're seeing some really interesting viewpoints into this, um, social structure that's going on in this area. And yes, expatriate expats 
what have you, and what's their influence in all of this. But you see the husband being like, you know, which is a, um, it was a Brian T. Is that his name? Who's it? Yeah. Brian T. Who has been in the Chicago med shows and all those shows. You see him pulling away from this going, you know, we should just forget it. Why is that? What's his role in all of this? So there's a lot of mystery and uh, intrigue in all of this. And it's being anchored by an actress who has really come along um, recently in doing some interesting projects. And the less said about far away down is the best. But the better, but the better. But the other stuff that she's been doing recently, <laughs> I've really been enjoying Nicole in this kind of new approach to like, because she's always been an actress, right? She had the Tom Cruise thing and she was the movie star thing, but she's always been an actress at her core and wanting to do roles that challenge her. And she hasn't always gotten it right in terms of choosing the material, but you got to honor the instinct. And this is yet another one of these things that looks like it's going to uh, take a lot out of her and be an emotionally. Um, um, explosive journey, and I like that Lulu Wang, who did the farewell, is the person behind all of this. Mm -hmm. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing how she brings us into this culture and shows us all the different levels of the people involved in this through the kidnapping of a child. So yeah, well, and just to just to you know talk a little bit more <laughs> about our friend. Um, I mean, yeah. um, Saryu has ha had her own show on NBC a few years ago yep. called "I Feel Bad." She's been a series regular on several shows. She's popped up in a many things that I imagine our audience has watched. Um, yeah. Saryu has always been so so funny. But mm -hmm. what this is really showcasing is her dramatic chops. Oh, yeah. Um, and getting the opportunity to work with a director like Lulu Wong and something like this. I mean, you know, having had a couple of fairly serious conversations with Saru, you, you know, personally, and then seeing that those moments on screen, I'm like, oh, OK, that's the that's yeah. the one that's the that's the Saru that I know. I mean, obviously, again, we talked about she is very, very funny. But uh, again, just we are just so thrilled um, for our friend that she's getting this incredible yeah. opportunity and we hope that you all watch as well because the first two episodes of expats is going to be available on amazon prime january 26th there you go all right well let's take a quick break and we'll jump into some more stuff here and uh the christmas movie stuff uh, uh right after this well it's christmas movies of course it's you we've each presented a topic take it away hey guys it's christmas <laughs> um no every year you know we get you know we, we do our show leading up to christmas and we want to yeah. have a little bit of holiday cheer in there and uh so we're talking about it this year and uh you know holiday movies are pretty much one of the big things about Christmas. I mean, there are probably more Christmas movies than there are. I can't think of another holiday uh, that spawns mm. as many movies and songs mm. and pieces of entertainment as Christmas. There's just something Arbor about Day. Christmas. Arbor Day. Arbor Day. I mean, I do love, yeah, I do love, I do love Die, 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 die Hard, Die Arbor. Um, <laughs> that's, Arbor. A that's a that's a that is a classic you are right but no um so with all of the choices out there you know you kind of get to thanksgiving weekend and you just kind of start down the list of watching your christmas movies um so gentlemen um mm. what are your i'm gonna ask two questions about this what is okay. what are your go-to christmas movies the ones that you always come back to and are there more uh are there any newer christmas movies that have uh risen up the ranks for you johnny we'll start with you Okay. Uh, uh, always go to Elf. I mean, come on. That's that's to me is the kickoff every year. It has been the most recent film I think that I include now in my um, in my watch along. I will say, uh, Just Friends, absolutely a staple now. Uh, as a guy who has his own experiences about going home and reunions and things of that nature, um, I have my own weird feelings about it. I think it's a great. Uh, hilariously stupid film that I love to watch at Christmas time. Love Actually. I mean, I can't deny it. The, the Lady Outlaw is no fan of that film. So I will be sitting here on Christmas Eve watching it by myself. Um, and It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, that is my that is my Christmas Eve staple. Black and white. I grew up with that, watching with my parents when I was a young child. It has never left. After my father died, one of the big nights of my life was with my mother, watching it all over again without my dad. And the conversations that sparked within us and the, you know, the hugging and the tears and all of that is a great experience. So the, those are those films that really kind of, for me, that are all over the spectrum, but they're the ones that I love the most 
uh, when I watch it. And if I could be a little bit darker, meet John Doe, which is, of course, also related to a guy who possibly, like It's a Wonderful Life, wants to kill himself, but needs people to remind him, hey, man, you do matter because we all get lost uh, at times in our lives. And so these films, the Christmas films do, there are some Christmas films that kind of remind you that life is important. Your life does matter. People do care about you. And during times like holidays, when it's really tough for people, it's nice to be reminded of that with some of these Christmas movies. And, and of course the Rankin and Bass stuff, which I love to pieces. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Shannon. Well, you know, we already briefly brought this movie up, but mm. one of my staples is absolutely Scrooged. Um, yeah yeah you know that uh, that is th there are a handful of movies that i remember laughing so hard that tears were coming down my face in the theater and scrooge is definitely one of those when carol kane uh <laughs> punches bill murray with a toaster <laughs> punches him into a sewer and then his next line is that bitch just hit me with a toaster <laughs> I mean, it is just it is just so so funny and you know, really, it's it's you know, it's Christmas Carol, and it, but but with the with the dark humor of Bill Murray, that is one of those films that I mean, it doesn't have to be Christmas for for me to watch that movie. Um, and also, obviously, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I'm currently re-listening to the Cinephiles podcast <laughs> of this episode because another dear friend of ours, Mr. Michael Ross is the guest. And if you are a fan of John's other podcasts, if you're a fan of the cinephiles, you know how it's supposed to go with yeah. talking about a movie. Um, Michael Ross is a Tasmanian devil of chaos, <laughs> which would take a normal, maybe 70 minute episode and stretches it up to almost two hours. It's like um, being in a sled with a guy who's taken all the reins off and is maniacally laughing while Steve and I are holding on to the railings for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> So again, if you are if you are a Cinephiles fan, even if you're not a Cinephiles fan, this is one that you should probably listen to. Um, I, I, I imagine Steve has not had to use the beep the bleep button that much ever in one of your episodes. Um, but then the the newest film to come along uh, happened last year, and that's David Harbor and Violent Night. Um, oh yeah! I mean, again, very much a a a. a spiritual spiritual cousin to scrooge um it is the santa claus action movie and david harbour as a saint nick who has seen better days who has lost his love of his job um watching him rescue a family that's been taken hostage it looks like something that uh uh bill murray would have pitched in scrooge um and it is and it's a delight. I mean, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, OK, this is this is probably going to be a one and done. And then I watched it again and then I watched it again and then I watched it again. I was like, OK, so this is now in the Christmas rotation. Yep. Um, I yeah, I mean, I agree with almost everything that you guys have said. Uh, a couple others that I will throw into the mix. One, um, I was just talking to a friend about this recently and we watched it when we were trimming the tree this year is not Muppet Christmas Carol, although I do love it. And I do think Muppet mm. Christmas Carol is one of the best versions of a Christmas Carol, but actually Muppet Family Christmas, which aired in 1980 eight or 89 on wow. television um if you go if you if you search it on youtube you can watch the entire 45 minute special but it is kermit and the muppets going to fozzy's mom's house uh for the holidays which she was not expecting uh descending upon her and hanging out for the holidays but she was renting the house to doc and sprocket from fraggle rock who are very pissed that they don't oh. get the quiet holiday they want and then the <laughs> sesame street gang shows up and fraggle rock is there it's like it's like the jim henson connected universe and it's amazing um it's really really funny it's awesome it's hilarious i showed it to a bunch of friends this year as we were trimming the tree they they all thought they had seen it because they thought that i was talking about muppet christmas carol i put it on they hadn't seen it and they all loved it so highly recommend taking 45 minutes out of your uh holiday schedule going to youtube and uh searching muppet family christmas um Ooh. i don't think you'll be disappointed and then um, another one from last year, uh, in addition to Violent Nights, that has quickly risen up the ranks to become one of the main Christmas movies that I've already watched multiple times this year um, mm. is Spirited uh, on Apple Plus oh, with Ryan yeah. Reynolds and Will Ferrell. Uh, it, it is – I didn't think it was – I 
I do love a Christmas musical. I do love Ryan Reynolds. I do love Will Ferrell. I saw this trailer and I'm like, eh, we'll see. It's on Apple Plus. I don't know. I watched it last year and I just never stopped watching it. I think it's absolutely amazing. It is yet another version of A Christmas Carol, but uh, a very different version, not the kind of Christmas Carol that you would expect. Uh, Will Ferrell plays the ghost of Christmas present. Ryan Reynolds plays the most recent uh, version of a Scrooge-type character. And the music is from Pasek and Paul, who did the music for Dear Evan Hansen and Greatest Showman, and the songs are all absolute bangers. So uh, another high, high recommend. And then last night, uh, final one that has also, as a more recent Christmas movie, is uh, The Night Before. With Seth Rogen, Anthony oh, Mackie, yeah. and Joseph Gordon Levitt, which is one of the funniest Christmas movies I've seen that also manages to be really sweet by the end. It is a, it is a rip roaring, drug fueled, insane movie um, that still manages to get those Christmas feels in by the end of it. So those are my top choices for Christmas movies this year. Well, and uh, speaking of cinephiles, uh, Michael was our guest for a Love Actually um, uh, conversation. So if you want to, enjoy that episode as well uh, which was a, a much much more calmer and fun though <laughs> 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 the, the Mike Ross one was great uh, that one is something we should you can listen to as well um as recent ones because you guys you, Michael you asked that I'm sorry I didn't uh, chime in on a more recent one but like I, I know Happiest Season is one that I really enjoyed on Hulu with Kristen Stewart and um, uh, yep. Mackenzie Davis. And I, and, and you, I wouldn't normally enjoy that, but I, I really did because I think Kristen Stewart could be really self-important, but I really did like that, uh, that um, uh, um, movie. So if people haven't seen that one, that is good. And, Cl- and Klaus or Klaus on, on uh, oh. or Klaus, Klaus on, on uh, Netflix, that animated film. That is absolutely oh. a staple, which I forgot to mention. I love, that one. love, love that movie. Yeah, that yeah. one is a beautifully animated movie. And yeah. at, at the beginning, at the beginning of that movie where I'm like, oh, he's a postman. I don't really know if I'm gonna like this. And then like 20 minutes into that movie, you're like, no, this is pretty good. And 30 minutes into yeah. the movie, you're like, I'm on board. And by the end of the movie, I am just sobbing. Yeah. Absolutely sobbing. It is such a good movie. Oh, absolutely. A great choice. And um, The Holdovers is coming out on the 29th, oh. I think on Prime on Peacock. I think a Peacock or Prime Video, the 29th. Great film. I think that's going to be my most recent Christmas Ooh. movie that I'm going to add to my favorite. So that is such, such a good film. Best I mean, movie quiet, of the year. Yeah. Quietly. Giamatti at his absolute best. Absolutely. Yeah. Such yeah. a good movie. I think it's either that or Oppenheimer, in my opinion. And I hope that's where it goes. Um, or, all right, well, or, or Aquaman or Aquaman, the lost kingdom. <laughs> you know, real quick, I saw people going like, how can you put your best of 2023 when you haven't seen Aquaman, the lost kingdom? Yet? <laughs> what? <laughs> Y'all calm down. Um, <laughs> all right, but there you go. Hopefully, we've given you some suggestions uh, to watch there. And of course, there are numerous uh, recent Christmas uh, uh, episodes and specials. The Lego Christmas one was a really cool. The Star Wars Lego one I thought was a lot of fun with Vader and all of that. So there's plenty of them out there for you all to enjoy. But hopefully, we've given you some new ones to consider as you go into the holidays here. Uh, and hopefully, you get a week off after Christmas or you get some time off after Christmas. You can enjoy those. But let's take a quick break and we'll jump into our review of episode two here of What If right after this. Do, 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 do. There you go. All right. Let's get into it. What if episode two? What if Peter Quill fought Earth's mightiest heroes? This was an interesting one for sure. And as the title said, it is Peter Quill, but not Peter Quill Star Lord. It is Peter Quill, smaller, younger Peter Quill here, who is play, who is uh, coming to lands on Earth and sparks the parents of the Avengers to come together to form the Avengers and a couple of their friends here to take on Peter Quill and eventually Ego, the living planet, who comes down to Earth to go after uh, to go after them and after Peter uh, in the end. And by the end, we've got ourselves Thor and the Avengers possibly going to avenge what happened here with uh, Ego in the nine realms, in the other eight realms, I guess, because Earth is the only realm that's left alive. So uh, interesting characters uh, being a part of this. We got uh, Dr. Wendy Lawson, who was uh, not voiced by Annette Bening, but we did get uh, Mr. Foster coming back here, which was voiced by uh, by La- uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Michael Douglas comes back. Uh, we have Chris Hemsworth as Thor, never one to turn down playing Thor ever in any version. Uh, and uh, so a lot of people coming in through this. Uh, we get um, Pe- uh, Haley Atwell coming back as Peggy Carter. We get John Slattery back as uh, as Stark there. So 
Um, Mike, you go to you first. Your thoughts on this? Did you like the story here? Did you enjoy where we went? We had Buck, uh, Sebastian Stan coming back as Bucky Barnes. Did you like this kind of um, uh, creation of the of Avengers, an early creation of the Avengers here to take on young Peter Quill? Um, uh, they're taking on the world. Yeah, look, I think I said this yesterday when we did our Geek Bite on the first episode, but one of the most fun things about a good what if story, uh, and particularly the what if animated stories, is that uh, it kind of just is just one slight detour uh, from the MCU that we know, right. and then just lets all the pieces fall where they fall. So, you know, the one slight detour of Yondu not keeping Peter Quill and raising mm -hmm. him as his own uh just escalates everything a lot faster and all the characters and again like i said yesterday with the nebula episode all the characters act the way that they are supposed to act given what we know of them in the mcu so mm -hmm. watching these characters come together uh in the 80s as opposed to you know uh, a couple decades later uh right. and seeing peggy carter and howard stark working together having that like sort of hank pym howard stark sort of animosity uh seeing t'challa's father um hank pym and bill foster like every single one of these things like the fun of this is going oh yeah i guess that is what that uh, that is how that would go um and even in the what if comics a new team of avengers a different team of avengers a this is this is what the avengers would have looked like in this era is yeah. always a really really fun story and i thought this was great like seeing this group of heroes come together because they all existed at this point in time in the mcu was just a ton of fun um it was it was great action it was uh good and satisfying and like all the little things like peter loving music and loving mm. that Walkman and him and Hope sort of bonding over the Walkman, like all these little bits and pieces that they put in there. <clears throat> um, Howard Stark kind of using Steve Rogers to get Bucky to sort of uh, come out of his winter soldier shell, like all of these little pieces. It's just, uh, it's like catnip to an MCU fan. Um, so yeah. I, I like, I am loving this whole nine day dropped over the holidays or the what if episodes. I love that I get to wake up every morning and kind of like it's unwrapping a new Marvel present of like, what am I getting today? And uh, so far in the past two days, I have been very satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon, your thoughts on this? Cause I mean, the, the, the episode pulls from the lore that we've already seen of guardians of the galaxy series, the Ant-Man series, black Panther, captain Marvel, uh, and even the first captain America movie to kind of tell its story. So in a way, aren't these each of these episodes like presents for those of us who've watched all the ep all the movies and are very uh, um, ingrained in the MCU? Uh, what did you think of this episode? Uh, this I think this is one of the best episodes of the series. Oh, this wow. is not just season two. This is season one. I mean, this one was just so, so well done because, again, we have such a long relationship with all of these characters. Yeah. And there are just so many little moments that again as fans of the mcu just kind of make just set little fireworks displays off inside of us uh the moment where peggy makes eye contact with the winter soldier mm, and says yeah. and says to howard's like he looks so much he looks so much like him the whole idea about is this <laughs> annette benning's or not an not annette benning saying right. do you really think this kid's gonna fight his father <laughs> and hank family like, you don't have kids kids do you wendy <laughs> i mean there's just so many solid lines and there's so many fun so many fun callbacks uh you know uh tony stark suggesting that they throw one of the infinity stones down a garbage disposal howard stark saying the same thing about the seed of the celestial like yeah hey, we just throw it down a garbage disposal <laughs> it's just so much fun and getting to see relationships that we heard about in the main mcu mm. but we didn't get to see and this is specifically with, with hank pym and bill foster i mean the whole right. idea that they yeah. that they had worked together we hear about their relationship but now we get to see what it actually looked like and getting to see goliath and his full glory it was just so much fun. I think describing it as as a gift, John, is is the absolute, absolute correct way to do it because I just had a smile on my face from beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah, once again, the animation, as I said yesterday, glorious. Just gloriously beautiful animation here in what you're seeing. I liked the way they took their time to like, you don't tell, the, you tell, Yondu tells you, or sorry, uh, the Watcher tells you what happened with Yondu and Peter Cole, and you go, okay, this is a different kid. But as it progresses, you don't understand what's going on until things start to be revealed with the seedling and all this stuff that's that's happening here. And you like that it's a slow unraveling and that it's a kid. And you bring in these people to understand how to 
uh, come together to fight this kid and how to put things. And then the the stakes keep getting higher and higher as the episode goes along, which I thought worked really well. And of course, just at the end, as they always do in the MCU, when you think all hope is lost, here comes Peter Quill to actually save the day. The guy who kind of sparked all this stuff is now the guy who is, yeah. or the kid rather, is coming in to save the day and take on his father. Uh, and again, this is an episode just like the last episode dealing with loss, right? The idea of losing your mother. This is where Hope and Peter find a common connection. This is what begins the process of, of um, reevaluating Peter, not as a threat, but as a kid who's been influenced by an evil father who is making him do certain things and be making him take part in this thing called the expansion um and there and call and we find out cost the, the life of his mother as of course we saw in in, uh, in the second guardians of the galaxy movie but i like that that's the way in it's about understanding it's about trying to uh make a connection here trying to do what's right and i love that that's how they're dealing with loss they dealt with it in the last episode with uh nebula and they're dealing with it here and how that changes things and yeah having howard talk bucky off that killing a kid for god's sakes which by the way he, just because he doesn't take the shot it isn't still a pretty dark thing to see a nine-year-old ten-year-old however how old he is with a uh crosshair on his head so pretty dark uh scene to see there in in what if which i like as well in the way they they portray that but of course they should have put, a, they should have put that in the echo trailer <laughs> no because then you would have complained about it called it stupid so no but i do want to give some love to the to carrie tombazian who does the voice of wendy lawson that is a dead ringer for yeah. annette benning which i thought was incredible uh what did you guys think of the the voiceover work of everybody in this because we got sebastian says it we got atandwa connie coming back to play t'chaka he played young t'chaka in the black panther movie and of course he's the son of the actor who plays the older t'chaka in this uh, as well madeline mcgraw plays hope and um where's the young kid who played rooker came back kurt russell came back john slattery came back Haley atwell came back i'm trying to find the name of the young kid who plays uh, Peter Quill? Uh, I don't see it. But anyway, you got. What did you guys think of the voiceover work here from everybody involved? Uh, Shannon, I, I guess I'll go to you first on this one. Um, what did you think? Again, I, I think the only one we can really <laughs> that we can really judge is is uh, Karen Carrie uh, 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 Tambazian mm -hmm. uh, coming in because I, I told Roca off mic that uh, I've now started to skip the credits because I don't want to know what characters are in mm. and not knowing that that wasn't Annette Benning, I'm like, oh wow, I can't believe they got Annette Benning for this. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Carrie Tambazian did a did a stellar job, but everyone everyone was fantastic mm -hmm. and again i think you have theatrical actors some who are a little more skilled behind the mic um uh lawrence fishburne being one of them yeah. um bill foster was just so much fun and uh chris hemsworth as well i mean him really leaning into this thor who is dealing with the tragedy of losing his planet but he's still funny i mean yeah. he's still really really funny so i thought everyone did everyone did a terrific job yeah, the kid playing Peter Quill, Mace Montgomery Miskell, who I, I love this, a young black kid voicing a young white kid in this. So I love that. And he's been in the Chicago shows as well. What did you think, um, uh, Mike, about the uh, about the voiceover work here from everybody involved? Yeah, I mean, you know, like, obviously, they're never going to be able to get every get everybody in there. So when you get somebody who can really kind of nail that voice, uh, the way that the way that um, she nailed Annette Benning was really, really fun. But as I was saying yesterday, when you do get the majority of your voice of the live action actors that you have in the movie in this, it just gives it that extra little bit of special something like mm. hearing the voices and going, this is this is the MCU. It's just yeah. a slightly different like, you know, if you had just cast it with you know, your uh, your typical kind of rotating cast of amazing voiceover actors that are out there, they would have done a really nice job, but it did it wouldn't have that extra little bit. There's something yep. about it's actually Kurt Russell. It's actually Michael Douglas. It's yeah. actually Haley Atwell that kind of gives it that extra little bit of Marvel Cinematic Universe love. And I think that's kind of what it's, it's just another piece of what makes the What If series 
so good. I know that when we all kind of do our lists of what are the best Disney plus Marvel shows, what if kind of gets like forgotten sometimes, or it's like, Mm. it it kind of goes in its own category because it's like, well, that's the animated one. And these are the ones that are more tied to it. But, you know, especially watching these two over the past two days and just kind of seeing going full Blade Runner noir with the Nebula story yesterday, and then kind of going just like into this full Avengers, uh, Avengers 88 kind of adventure. Um, yeah. You do realize what if is really one of the best MCU shows that Disney Plus has. Yeah, they understand how to use the lore and the mythology of the MCU and how to take advantage of the people who have seen all the movies. So they don't have to do a lot of like, OK, let me explain this. Let me put this together. It's very clear. The watcher does an occasional voiceover that gives you that little bit of extra information you might need. But overall, they just kind of present it and you go along with it. I love the Hank issue, you know, with him, with uh, with Howard and the back and forth there, you know, and hanging up on him and everything. You 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 allude to stuff that you've even the smaller kind of uh, subplots of storylines with these characters that are there for you to enjoy. But Haley Atwell, whenever she shows up and Slattery, too, I mean, those two are fantastic. Haley doesn't miss a beat in voicing over um, of uh, Peggy Carter. And you're right, Shannon. That's that the animation uh, of emotion that they draw on her face more so than uh, Howard's face, her reaction to Bucky, you can eat because you know the movies and you know the mythology here and the lore here. You can read all those levels in that emotional animation, which is a great uh, shout out to the animators to convey that. And of course, Haley has a little bit of a, a emotional reaction then has her line. But you can see what that the weight of all of that and how it carries. Um, I will say that I don't think Michael Douglas was that strong in this episode. And no offense to Michael. I mean, Michael's up there, for God's sakes. And I, and I don't know if he necessarily got across that emotional scene with him and Peter by his mom's uh, headstone. I, I would have liked another actor, maybe. And it might be time to explore that for maybe season three to bring in another actor to voice Michael Douglas's character of Hank Pym. Because I, I didn't buy him uh, having that moment and convincing Peter to kind of and well, come on back with us, Peter. Well, come on with. I just didn't have that kind of edge that you would like it, or sorry, softness that you would like it to have. Especially <laughs> at the beginning, he's like yelling at Hope about like potato chips or a vegetable. You know, you're like you want to have you want to have the gruffness, but you got to have the softness behind the gruffness. And I don't think that Douglas is at the age now where he can necessarily. Um, access that, especially behind a mic, and I thought that kind of came through for me. So that's that's the only criticism I would have about the show. But I will say this: it kind of subtly exposed how much of a weak story Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two was here because of how quickly they kind of consolidated, how quickly they showed like the impulse of that whole um, uh, story wasn't as strong as like the first movie. So yeah, do you guys have any? criticisms about this particular episode of uh, of what if uh wait, I, what did it what did it expose about guardians volume two well what just that the, it was what? oh i'm gonna take over the world it's just such a simple you know what i'm saying it, it, it didn't have much depth or nuance to it and it was a kind of exposed in this episode in my opinion you don't have to agree you don't have to agree it, no i guess it's i guess it's no man of steel i, I, I hear you I hear you know it. okay you know <laughs> you're um, literally dancing on the grave of that movie right now I, know, right? <laughs> um, I mean i mean i guess if i was going to you know and again i i, I think they fit so much into the episode that this is not a critique so much it's just like the one like you know they 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 took care of ego pretty quickly there at the end like peter kind of absorbed that absorbed that seedling and was like bye and you're gone but you're also like you've got this 30 minute origin story of the avengers and you've serviced almost every character so you know if something's got to give you're like yeah okay like i don't need like a 20 minute wrap up of like fighting ego. Like I'm, I'm kind of happy that it got to where it got, but that was the one place where I was like, okay, that happened pretty fast. But, um, that critique kind of leans into like one of my biggest compliments of it, which is despite the fact that we already know a lot of these characters and like Mm -hmm. you guys said, as a Marvel fan, there is a shorthand. We don't need to get every bit of information about everybody. Yeah. The fact that they had what it was, Bill Foster, Hank Pym, mm-hmm. Wendy Lawson, Howard Stark, uh, Peggy Carter, uh, Bucky, T'Chaka, Thor, Peter, Hope. Like, 
the the fact that you have like that's just that's 10 characters right there and yep. in a 30 minute episode everybody got their moment everybody got like everybody got their moment to shine both in action set piece kind of sense like everybody got an awesome action moment you got to see someone do such awesome you got to see tachaka and bill foster like taking out all of those ego clones thor with his hammer like you know kicking ass wendy lawson being awesome and smart like everybody got their moment to shine but you also got great character moments for everybody um, and when you get to the end moment at Hank's house and everyone's hanging out and having light beer and uh, Wendy's giving goose to the kids, you're like, like, you're like, they really did like they they did it like they mm. made me care about this entire team of Avengers to the point where I'm like, if you gave me a couple episodes of Avengers yeah. 88, I'd be down like I'd be down to watch this team do more stuff. So despite the fact that, you know, some things like the defeat of ego felt a bit rushed i think they made the right choice in where they focused their attention and spent their time yeah. and along and along with every character getting their moment characters that weren't even in the show got a moment like steve rogers mm -hmm. yeah right yeah yeah and tony remember because he said yep. uh, yeah. i thought he's he's bad at my son or something about his son I thought <laughs> my son was arrogant or something like that so yeah you get the little illusions that are just enough to enjoy uh, for sure. Yeah. And I, I thought the writing here, Matthew Chauncey, I thought he did a great job. As you said, Michael, everyone getting an opportunity to shine goes back to the writer understanding how to give them yeah. an opportunity to shine with the limited amount of time uh, that they're going to have to shine in those uh, particular moments. And all of you, even Bucky not speaking until he needed to speak, I thought was a really cool moment. And I liked how they ended up with him, like kind of looking over New York, possibly going on his own journey of self-discovery. And we'll see if that is something that carries through the other episodes because i'm trying to figure out what their overall through line is of course two episodes dealing with loss maybe that's the thing loss and redemption loss and and uh finding your peace with it you know i think that was a part of this as well with wendy and and uh, peter uh connecting over the loss of their mothers and, and the walkman situation plus shout out to Corey hart you know a great artist that gets forgotten and people talking about the great 80s artists Corey hart never surrender that's an awesome damn song there's so many great songs from Corey hart if you're not a if you don't know Corey Hart, go back and listen to some Corey Hart music on YouTube or whatever. I'm sure there's a greatest hits album on YouTube that you can listen to. Some great 80s music from Corey Hart. And Never Surrender has a really interesting message as well. Obviously the title, but more so what's going on in those lyrics about, you know, dealing with the loss, dealing with pain, dealing with these things that are setbacks, but you can find a way out and find your way to the light. So, you know, I appreciated that. Anything else we want to say about this? I mean, you know. I, I will say as a, as a, as a, as a professional animation writers are really good at taking the ball and running. And that's what the staff of what if is uh, showing, showing, you know, plus, plus 10. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think, I think the writers are doing such a good job have juggling such a, such a large cast of characters and giving everyone that moment, not just a moment, but a really satisfying moment. And yeah. yes, John, to what you said earlier, Haley Atwell, she yeah. is like superstar adjacent, yeah, because of because of Mission Impossible and and Marvel. At some point, she is going to become possibly one of the biggest movie stars in the world because she is I just hope. so 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 stellar. She has all the tools. I don't know well, why she isn't already. Yeah, uh, yeah, Mike. I mean, Peggy Carter is low key one of the MVPs of the Marvel universe. I mean, 100%. like, who would have thought? I mean, even when the first Captain America came out, like, it was very clear that. She she was amazing. Like she's one of the best parts of that movie, but for a character that should have been a one and done, like here's Peggy Carter. That was, that was Cap's girl in the first movie. Let's move on. Uh, the fact that, you know, they've kept her around, not just playing old Peggy in the Captain America, right. like winter soldier, but that, you know, kind of put her in the position of being like one of the key members of the creation of shield. So that when we go to end game and we go back in time, we get to see her and we go to the beginning of Ant-Man, we get to see her and like just her and Howard Stark and the way that they've sort of used them to sort of build that through line with all the other mm -hmm. stuff. Like those are the, those are the little things that made those first three phases of the MCU so great. And yep. like I said yesterday, I think what, the what if episodes prove as you watch them and you have a big smile on your face, like Shannon said, is that there's still, there's still gold in those hills. Like those hills <laughs> oh, yeah. might be a little barren right now, but there's yeah. gold in the hills and you don't have to do a lot. If you give us a movie where you get these characters right and you kind of build those connections and those through lines to like past events, uh, we will turn really quickly as fans and be like, yep, we're back on board. You did it. 
we're good. And that's what like, so like every, like I said, it's like, it's a great gift for Marvel fans this holiday season. Cause every morning you get to wake up and watch something that goes, Oh yeah, I, I do love this universe. This is a great universe. Yeah. A friend reached out to me the other day. He goes, really, you're going to review all these every day. Like Marvel's nobody wants Marvel anymore. And I'm like, no, this is, this is important to do it. And you know, as Michael just said, falling back in love with this universe, I think is a good thing and having hope that they're, can be something changing down the road. I know it's a tough moment right now for them, but there is a lot, as Michael says, a lot of gold in those hills. And I think watching this series is going to reawaken that for a lot of people. And hopefully that goes on forward. So we're committed to doing these episodes every day because of our love for Marvel and our love for these characters, for sure. Um, all right, well, there you go. That's our episode of uh, the Geek Buddies. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us here. We know you're uh, uh, coming into the holiday season, so we will send you a very... Merry Christmas and a happy Christmas Eve. And however you choose to spend it, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, we wish you a happy Sunday and Monday. How about that? Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to get your dancing shoes on and dance on Man of Steel's grave, the DCEU's <laughs> grave, you can follow Mike Vogel at MKTune. If you'd like to see the light slowly leave someone's eyes in the darkest story you've ever told, you can follow Mr. Roca at The Roca Says. It's Mikey. Uh, yeah, listen, we love it all here. We love good quality storytelling and we love violent, hardcore, heavy hitting, bloody, uh, action. So we got, we're going to cover it all here at the Geek Buddies. And here's what you can do for us. You can smash that like button below, uh, with prejudice and violence. You can subscribe oh to the Outlaw Nation page, um, where you can see all types of really aggressive, uh, stuff that he's got there. Leave your angry, violent comments below. Let us know what you thought. Just fucking give it to us. Uh, no. In the comments below. Oh! <laughs> if you're listening to us on a podcast, throw your phone down on the ground, let it crack, then give us some likes and some stars so we go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet oh. this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Perfect message for the Christmas season. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, all right. And, and listen, we love you all so madly and we can't thank you all enough for being fans of the geek buddies coming back every week to listen to us or to watch us and all the incredible compliments you guys give us, you know, we're about to, uh, go into 2024, but we just want to tell you how much we love you and we hope you are safe this holiday season. And Hey, if it gets tough for you, you know, we have a blast on this show, put on our episodes. If you get a moment where you're feeling down, you're not feeling good. Things are hurting you. You, you got some disparity going on. Put on our show. Let us entertain you. Let us give you some hope. Let us give you some joy. Let us take you into the new year because we want you hanging out with us here on the Geek Buddies for many, many years to come, and we love you madly. All right. Take care of yourselves. Be well. Have a great holiday season. And, of course, uh, enjoy coming back to us every day. Don't remember. Don't forget to come back to us every day as we break down what if. And we will announce our Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom spoiler review, which will have some more dancing from Michael Vogel, I imagine. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.